sassy. I always connect that song with Chicken Little. The story or the movie? Uh, the movie. Oh, and speaking of Chicken Little, Chulpa's pissed. Chulpa's pissed. Um, yeah, but welcome to It's Not That Scary. Uh, this is a horror movie podcast. Should we get something for Chalupa? She seems like she's... You could put some, yeah, maybe some peanut butter in her gorilla's butt. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that intro back. Okay, she's, she's occupied now. Oh, Sorry, look at her. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, but anyways, welcome back to It's Not That Scary, a horror movie podcast. This year, uh, we're still in the year 1956 because you know what? Movies are getting better now um, and uh, we just want to watch more movies from each year so we can get a better idea. Also, uh, we're, we're trying to watch uh, every horror movie ever chronologically, so yeah. this, we're doing better. We're doing better. We're doing better, put yeah. Money where our mouth is. Yeah, yeah. I think the 1950s are what we predicted of when it was going to get good, and our prediction was right. Yeah, it's true. Mid 1950s. Oh, Thoroughly enjoyed the movie we watched this week, The Bad Seed. Oh, good. I'm glad you guys. There was a point when I watched it in the middle, towards the middle ish, where I got really scared in a bad way like, oh no, is this going to be a bore uh, kind of uh-huh. scare? Oh. And I was worried that. Uh, well, I've oh, seen no. it before, so right, I knew right. I liked it. No, I thought before like things started like really moving. Um, I thought that they did a really good job of building tension. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought the actor, main girl, um, was so good. Yeah, it's true. Um, Rhoda. Yeah. We'll get into all that. Uh, of course, we're talking about the bad seed from 1956. And later on, we'll also be talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake, Baby, from the 1970s. Baby. Ooh. Both, uh, you know, interesting movies. I'm excited to talk about them. What are we going to, what do we do for the news segment? I'm just going to type in 1956 into Google and read something. Well, because we, well, yeah, that's we already I, did 1956 Yeah, we done already had ours, so... Yeah. So, I don't think we would do anything. Yeah, we can just say we're not going to do that. Um, actually, there is something we missed. I just Googled it, and it's pretty huge. I'm okay. surprised we actually didn't He's read lying. this. He's lying. In 1956, important He's news lying. and events. Federal Aid Highway Act signed for the construction of 41,000 miles of interstate highways. Wow, no, that's, that's really not, beautiful. That's not huge, Ethan. <laughs> I'm glad we missed that last week. I mean, if, if you think about it, it is a pretty, it is a pretty big deal because highways really do shape the landscape yeah. of our country in positive and negative ways. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Where would our country be without the the road trip? So many movies about road trips that we yeah. wouldn't have. Are we there exactly. yet? We wouldn't have it. We, we would, would not, not have Are You There We yet. would not have Are We There Yet too. <laughs> National Are we done vacation. yet? Are we done yet? Yeah. The Hangover movies, those are vacation <laughs> movies, technically. They're not road trip <laughs> movies. Are, there is a... <laughs> I said vacation, no. Isn't there a road trip movie, though, that's like in the same vein as a Hangover? It ha- also has Zach Galifianakis and... Due Date? Yes. Oh, yeah. right, 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 right. That came out right after Hangover when everybody was like, right, oh, Zach Galifianakis right. needs to be in everything now. Robert Downey Jr.? The funniest actor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Weird pairing. Yeah. I mean, I'm that sure movie you can isn't imagine great. how it I've goes. Seen it. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Wow. It's pretty bad. And we wouldn't even have No Country for Old Men. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a highway. There's a part where he's driving on a highway. <laughs> Me too, so. Man. Yeah. Okay, this is weird. The 1956 Summer Olympics were held in 1956, and they were in Australia. But for some reason, the uh, equestrian events were all held in Stockholm, Sweden. 
Oh. Interesting. Strange. Very odd. Are there no? Is there nowhere to ride a horse in Australia? Maybe. Maybe it's because a lot of horses are in... I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say something really dumb. Maybe it's because it, Australia would be too far to fly with horses. Oh, perhaps. How do you even fly with a horse? Yeah, I don't know. I read a... I read a book as a child i probably reread this book like i don't know eight times it's about a girl who got a, a lipizzan horse and everybody was really jealous of her Margot, horse girl confirmed <laughs> i was a horse girl sort of when i was younger um in college they had us read this play a lot called edward albie's the goat or who is sylvia uh, and it's about this guy who fucks a goat and the whole play is just his family finding out and him being really sad about it it oh sounds God. terrible. It sounds like a bad play. Yeah, it's it's um it's, yeah uh, no I don't know. I don't are you know. saying it's are you are you do you actually think it's good or are you saying it's good because you're brainwashed? To think um, it's good? I don't know. You know, I think I think a lot of it was I was a young naive child in college and I was like, oh, what is this? This yeah. is crazy. It it has its moments. It has its moments. I did a scene from it, and I thought I, I did a good job in the scene. But Will Bond mm, didn't think I good. did a good job. Hmm. Um, shout out to Will Bond. Did not like me at all. <laughs> That's his professor, not another student. Shout out. Yeah. One interesting thing about the goat is they sort of explore, like, how do you talk about something when it's so alien to something that you know? That's cool. I'm sure a lot of other plays do that without... That's also true. Fucking <laughs> without animals. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It just gives me really, really bad vibes. And yeah. it's upsetting. <laughs> it was red in school. Um, wait, wait, wait. Let me go back to the Wikipedia page and read what happened on our birthday. Oh, that's day. good. Yeah. On our birthday, not oh. on, on horse day? <laughs> I thought you said on horse, horse day. day. <laughs> what do you think day? horse day is? I thought it was something like the, the frog jumping jubilee or something. I'm going to check right. on the frog jumping jubilee. Oh, no, no, not to brag. I got three bullet points. And Terrazzano, Milan, two lunatics, the brothers Arturo and Egido Santato, the first just released by a criminal madhouse, take hostage in a primary school, 97 children, and three schoolmistresses asking for a ransom. Whoa. After a day of anguish, the situation is unlocked by two volunteers, the worker Sante Tenaro, and the private eye, Tom Ponzi. <laughs> Tom Ponzi. <laughs> who enter in the school. All the hostages are saved, but for a tragic mistake, Sennaro is killed by the policeman's fire. Sad. Wow. Also, Finland. Cops stay messing up, even back in 1956, like, yeah. Italy. Are you good, Ethan? I'm just, I'm just sad that there are no facts from the Frog Jumping Jubilee for me to report. Um, oh, from 1956. Sad. The next thing of note is from 1980. 86. Wow. So we have so long. Yeah, I can't believe there weren't any history-making events in the Frog Jumping Jubilee. Yeah, it's sad that, like, it's not as widely known or publicized. Right, right. Um, Well, we did miss in 1944 and 1945, the top frog jumpers, the people, were awarded war bonds and war stamps instead of cash prizes because that's beautiful. You may remember we were at war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a world war. A world war. And the mother of the year was Jane Maxwell Pritchard. Shout out. Ew. 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 Why are you sending gross? Oh, that's the mother of the year. 
That's a mother of the year, you ass. <laughs> you just called her gross. I did, I did. This child, babies are so fucking ugly. I'm yeah, sorry. it's true. Crop that kid out of there. Especially after watching Bad Seed, I'm like, uh-uh, get him yeah. out. Uh-uh, get him out, exactly. Which is a great transition. Yeah, great transition. Fully, This movie, if I had any doubt whatsoever that I may one day want to have kids, it crushed that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically this movie is about an evil little girl yeah. and how her mother is realizing yeah. that she is evil. Specifically killing people. Right, yeah, she's an evil little she's girl. And she's... she's evil but specifically she's a sociopath yeah so she doesn't feel any or doesn't have any empathy for other people but she's very uh, charismatic um so she's very good at putting on manipulative um, different affects and manipulating people um i feel like this movie was very ahead of its times for its like discussion about sociopathy sociopathy um I could not tell you the history of sociopathy. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, I I sort of felt like um, I was I was glad they were taking a more scientific approach as opposed to like she's probably just a bad seed. There was still like some question about like environment and upbringing, but mm-hmm, yeah. there was a lot of language that they were still using that made them sound like really dumb and uh, uneducated. Of course, of was of the time to the point where I yeah. was like. Uh, maybe you should have left this out. Oh, that like if you like live up in like a quote unquote like bad environment. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. That yeah, like that you're you're like definitely gonna become nurture, a criminal or whatever. Right. It was all environment based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this was sort of stepping in the direction of like, hey, it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah, which I did also appreciate. Yeah, I think um, the thing that I appreciated most about this movie was that it was really through the mother's eyes the whole movie. And not for the sure. child like I had expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty small cast. Um, I think it's based on a play, right? It's based on a play, which is based on a book. Um, yeah, because it, uh, it, basically the entire thing is just in their like living room. Right. Yeah, so the um, book and the play were released in 1954 by cool. the same name. And I believe the um, actress who played Christine, who's the mother, um, Nancy Kelly, also played... The mother on Broadway. That's really oh. cool. And she won a Tony Award. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. She also um, played Martha in Who's Afraid of, of Virginia Woolf oh, on nice. Broadway. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. You know, she definitely, she really uh, plays that part really well. I was thinking sure. similarly, like halfway into the movie, it feels similarly to Hereditary, where it's just like sitting with. Uh, a mother as she is going through like tragedy in her life and and just like how she deals with it and they really mm-hmm. like sit in that like agony of her life being turned upside down to the point where i i really felt like so sad and gross inside in a good way yeah no i i think that as i said before like even before like the the murders start escalating the like build up which is like i guess like the first half of the movie maybe for 60% um, is really well done. No scene felt wasted. Like things that they, that are referenced in like the very first scene, like- um, Rhoda taking her vitamins. Oh yeah, Rhoda taking her vitamins. Her shoes, her tapping the shoes. Her tapping shoes. um, The conversation that um, Christine has about how she always felt growing up, uh, that she might be secretly adopted, having that fear. And then that comes back later. Um, So- 
I felt like th there was no, it was, it was all talking in a room basically, but uh, nothing was like ancillary or like yeah. A, yeah. excessive. I'm curious, what part did you find hard to get through? Um, I definitely found the, the, well, okay, I found two different parts hard to get through for different reasons. The first part I found hard to get through in a bad way, where I was like, I'm not enjoying myself. We were like, the scenes where the landlady comes over with all her friends and has an, uh, an elongated discussion about her and her psychoana psychoanalyst and what they're talking about in analysis and just like setting up the like social facade that the mother has to keep up. Uh, with all of her friends, that kind of stuff, I just found a little boring. But it mm -hmm. really like was like a very small percentage. And then I was quickly. The rest of the movie is so good. And then the other part that I found hard to get through in a good way was just seeing the mom deteriorate, just because I felt so sad for her. Yeah. yeah. As she suspects and then finds out that her child is a murderer. I feel like as far as like show don't tell, this movie is. Definitely more on the telling side, but I feel like they made it work for the environment. Um, like, I don't think the movie would have been as effective of a character study if there had been, like, flashbacks to her mom abandoning her in the forest or whatever the fuck before. Oh, right. Um, so I didn't mind the talking that much. Yeah. Yeah, no, me neither. I just, um, I just mean some of the... Literally for like one scene in 10 minutes, a lot of the, and then also I didn't care for much when the dad came over and they were talking about like her writing a novel, though that was like, oh, I thought that scene was really great. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the most important scenes in the movie. Yeah, that was, that was the scene that I had like, that like actually like, I don't know, I like my jaw dropped. It was really good. I liked it. Really? Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. When the reveal came, uh, what, I, thought, what reveal? I thought it was really good. That she is in indeed adopted and that her mother is a serial killer. No, there was the scene right before that where she's trying to ask him about, like, uh, do children murder? But she's masking it through the conversation of, oh, I'm writing a book about children who murder. But you can't ask because she's... Well, of course, she's of course. She's worried that they'll know about her child. Of course. I would just rather not have that conversation at all. I just... Uh... Oh, I liked it. I think it's important because the previous conversation she's having with Monica, I want to know their names. Is that the landlady? Yeah, yeah. the landlady Monica. I was um, talking with my psychoanalysis and he told me that I have a fixation on flowers and I uh, that's why I always sneeze whenever I put on perfume. That's that's pretty close yeah. to what it sounds like. Uh, um her <laughs> conversation more. with Monica and I believe it's uh, Richard Bravo and Emery Wages, and they're talking and they're saying, "Oh, it's all, it's, it's all, all environment. environment. Yeah. There's no um, children don't murder because like there's no they have no influences yet." Blah 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 blah. And then she finds out that maybe her child was a murderer, and then she goes to her father, who reveals this big fear of hers or um, confirms this big fear of hers that there is a little bit of nature involved and that it can be hereditary. And then she finds out, oh my gosh, my, my real mother is this horrible murderer and I've passed this along to my child who is also a horrible murderer and it's the idea of the bad seed taking root. Yeah. The thesis of the film, if you will. Right, mm, yes. for sure. 
the the assumption that I always make with these movies is I think it's going to be the title character or title monster just going around killing everybody. Like, I thought this was going to be a movie about, from the child's perspective, her going on a rampage of killing people. She only really kills mm-hmm. one... Three people. Three people, the gardener and right, then the, the person from before. And they all happen off screen and it still is, like, really... Yeah. Uh, just very tense and interesting throughout. Yeah. I was I found that very impressive. Yeah. Um, and definitely the, I would say one of the most uh, like tense scenes for me was like halfway into the movie, a little more than halfway. Um, the mother is like pretty, she, she really suspects her daughter at this point um, and catches her late at night trying to throw away a pair of shoes that the girl used to kill her classmate earlier on in the film. And it's really the first time that we see the girl break Rhoda. We, we see Rhoda break from her, like, act that she's been putting on. Um, and I found that pretty scary and tense. Yeah, I, I also think a big part of that is the mother st- stops, like, buying into her, like, sweet act. Like, she's trying to kiss her and all that. And, yeah, and, and it's, it feels uh, very Christine creepy. It's very yeah. much like, no, 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 like, yeah. stop it. One of the things that she does uh, to, like, get her on her side is she'll say things like, what would it, what would it, what would you give me for a basket of kisses? Or um, she'll like rub her mom's face and say, "I have the prettiest mommy in the oh world. God, yeah. You're the most beautiful mommy in the world. You're the Ooh. nicest mommy yeah. in the world." As she's like, Ugh. as she's like answering or like bad, badgering her about like the this murder, yeah. and this is how she responds, and it's like so creepy. And at the beginning of this movie, her mom falls for it all, and even when her daughter like breaks a little bit and talks about how much she hated Claude Daigle right in the first scene for beating her in the penmanship competition. Yeah. Her mom's like, oh, ho, ho, you are so sweet, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then she kills her. She kills him for, for yeah. his medal that he won for winning yeah. the, the competition. Yeah, and I think a big part of like what makes this all so compelling is how, how much you can see that the mom doesn't want to believe that her child is a murderer. She's just like portrays that so well. It really yeah, broke a lot of this heart. movie is definitely like psychological horror of just yeah. like looking at her breakdown as she like has to cope with loving her child despite her being a murderer. And what right. I think is also interesting, like um, on in a separate, like as far as like narrative purposes go, is that there's never another suspect that's introduced for the murder, so it's never really up to anyone's interpretation who was the killer like we know from the beginning it's Rhoda we're also like entering into the story her already having killed that old lady she was yeah, friends with yeah it's revealed later that she had killed a, a year yeah. a year ago or yeah, something when they were the living in Wichita and the movie's so in that called sense, The Bad Seed too yeah, yeah exactly so. and that sounds you have to wonder like how like was her mother suspicious at all before is, are we seeing a version of her that is already suspicious of her child? Or it, was she? did she totally write off that first incident as like an accident? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because um, the mom brings up the um, previous murder mm-hmm. because she notices um, there is a, like a fish that's like in a, a glass, a, a piece of glass. It's like a, just like a piece of art. A treasure. Um, a treasure that... Um, Rhoda has in her room um, and she got it from this old lady that they used to know who died and gave it to her and she died by falling down five flights of stairs when Rhoda was the only other person with her yeah Yeah. and so we learned that Rhoda killed her to get that treasure from her 
Um, but it comes out of nowhere a little bit, so much so that it does feel like something she's thought about before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it, she learns, she knows that Rhoda collected or like took the, the medal back from Claude. Yeah. So she's like. She likes to keep. She um, likes to keep trophies. Trophies. She, it's it's such a um, like cold-blooded kill where it's not like a crime of passion or anything like that. It's yeah. strictly for Rhoda's own personal gain, which is so creepy. Yeah. And there's there's a moment after she finally confesses to the crime to her mother, um, and she basically just like gro- goes through what happened, and the kid gives her the medal before um, she kills him. She like kills him afterwards just because she like was like angry. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely like shown that like these are not accidents and it will happen again. <laughs> yeah. And it's I think it's different. Um, it reminds me in a lot of ways of that movie, The Orphan. Obviously, it's very different um, because Rhoda's not secretly an adult woman. But I find that this movie is believable in a sense that Rhoda knew how to manipulate people with her charisma, but she didn't know how to really act in a way that would like make people less suspicious of her, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like. She never, she never acted sad about any of the deaths. She yeah. was always ready for the defense. She acted without emotion mm-hmm. in the same way that the pod people do. Yeah, sure. in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And um, she would like be furious about um, when the gardener was like, I got your shoes. She was like, no, yeah. you have to burn them in a way that is yeah. like not trying to hide the culpability yeah. at all. Exactly. She's yeah. just a really bad liar, like very much believable as a child like yeah. obviously the actions she there aren't a whole lot of kids who do murder right. um but the way she was like incapable of really lying in a convincing way made it a lot more believable that she was a, a real child yeah yeah, yeah. the naivety Definitely. of like a child who thinks that she can get away with it and then, like, compounded yeah. with the uh, the mom who knows that there's no way in hell you can just get away with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, really effective. Tension. It's a really interesting mix, the uh, Rhoda's character, of, like, a lot of confidence, but just, like, so much naiv- naivete yeah. at the same time. Naivete. Yeah, and an unwillingness to uh, take responsibility for her own actions, which is also very childlike. Yeah. Like everybody who died did. She always said she always said it was their fault. Yeah. Like it was their fault because right. uh, he took my medal and made me angry, so I had to kill him. Yeah. Um, or like I, uh, she said that she would only give me the uh, uh, the present as a, a gift when she died, when she so died. I had to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even at the end, it's revealed that she is planning. Or it's implied that she's planning on killing her one of her good friends monica monica the landlady to because get her said, lovebird yeah <laughs> she would give her her lovebird if she died stop promising children you'll give them stuff after death <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. you're giving them a, a reason <laughs> well one thing so i know i said that the the fact that Rhoda was a killer was like phoned in from the beginning very obvious for me I'm actually, I mean, obviously it was pretty clear for us and I had already seen the movie, but then at the end, it's like, don't reveal the twist again. They love to do that. And they got like credit scene. So I'm wondering if that was a big twist in 1950. I don't know. I was trying to think of that as like, do they mean the the twist at the very, very end? Like when her, uh, that it, it turns out that 
So, uh, spoiler alert, uh, basically the uh, how the movie comes to a close is the mother, Christine, Christine uh, decides to give Rhoda uh, a fatal dose of sleeping pills, and then she shoots herself in the head. And then uh, it's revealed that when the gunshots were heard, um, people came in and found Rhoda, had taken these pills, and saved her, so she's alive, and Rhoda is in a coma. Christine. Uh, sorry, Christine is in a coma. Well, and then the best part of the movie, um, I was a little bummed that, uh, like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll allow this movie to not be a child rampage movie like I thought, but I was kind of expecting Rona to at least get her comeuppance or die or something. I just wanted to see a child death because I hate children or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I find we finally get that at, at the very end of the movie. She's doing yeah. some stuff at the dock and she gets struck by lightning. She's trying to get the medal. Yeah, she wants oh, her right. trophy. She gets struck by lightning, lightning and dies. And then dies, and then the end. Yeah, what? so I don't know if that's that's the, the thing they don't want you to tell, that the kid yeah. dies at the end. I don't know. It's so bizarre. Some some part of it. God punished her. I don't know what it was. It was like right as Christine was awaking from her coma and saying that she has to... Okay, so Christine has to pay back her sins or whatever. And um, oh, then yeah. Rhoda immediately dies. So it's like she loses her child but also loses the burden of her child's obviously going to kill again. She's planning on killing again. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one point of this movie where I was like a little bit worried, like, oh no, are they gonna, are they gonna ruin the movie? Um, was after the gunshot, the like little scene in the hospital. I'm like, oh no, how long, how much longer are they going to go? Oh yeah. But they wrap things up pretty quickly. Yeah. I thought the rev- the way they revealed that Rona was still alive at the very end was fun too. That was yeah, that was because you good. think and that the- she dies for sure. Yeah. yeah, and it's such a good moment of like dramatic irony where Monica is talking to Rhoda's dad and she's like, "Oh, at least you still have Rhoda." Yeah, because Monica yeah. loves Rhoda, and it's yeah. like, and we know, oh no, Rhoda's gonna fucking kill, <laughs> kill. Yeah. Um, you brought up the orphan. I I have not seen the Omen, but I also wondered. Uh, how much the omen was inspired by this movie so when we get there we'll have to keep our eyes out yeah huh. what year is the omen the 70s hmm. 76 i think the omen goes a more supernatural route yeah it's like yeah he's like it's the antichrist yeah, yeah. oh hmm. like rosemary's baby right yeah that's less interesting rosemary's right? toddler yeah rosemary's kindergarten class yeah the brood um, yeah, but damn, we're already forty minutes in, yeah. and uh, we're we haven't gotten to the. It's true. The second movie. Well, that's what happens when you know you watch a good movie, and the, right. the bad seed was really good. Um, <laughs> would definitely recommend it, and uh, a certified horror. Certified um, horror. Certified horror. Certified horror. Certified horror. Um, but yeah, we can we can talk about uh, the next movie unless anybody else has any final thoughts they want to share. Um, I'm looking at Bravo's uh, 100 scariest movie moments list. And uh, number 86, the, it's just a list of, I guess, scariest movies ranked 1 to 100. Number 86 is The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz is scary. It's not a horror movie. But... What the fuck? Cat People's on here. Nice. Ah. 97. So Wizard of Oz is scarier than Jurassic Park to them. <laughs> and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which one? Um, the original. Yeah, I think I literally agree with that. I think Wizard of Oz is scarier. Willy Wonka is number 74, scarier than Candyman. Willy Wonka is than Candyman. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> this is such an interesting list. 
The more I think about Willy Wonka, though, it is scary. Oompa are pretty scary. It's true. And there's no justice for our boy Augustus. Augustus. Yeah, no justice for Augustus. 40 episodes later. Yeah. Still no justice um, for Augustus. Our day ones, we'll, we'll know that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we watched for our second segment the remake of The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, if you were here with us last episode, you'll know that we watched the original of the invasion of the body snatchers this one this new one is made in 1978 mm-hmm. uh and it's a very very faithful remake to the original just with some added fluff uh about an hour's worth of added fluff yeah. <laughs> uh, and it basically follows a guy who is from the health department as he slowly discovers that alien seeds from outer space are uh, coming to snatch you, snatch you when you're asleep, and turn you into a zombie human. And, uh, you know, very yeah, much like a the duplicate original. zombie human, yeah. specifically. The main character, Miles, is played by Donald Sutherland, who you might recognize as President Snow in the Hunger Games movies. So if you watch this movie, sorry, because that's going to ruin it for you. You're not going to be able to not see President Snow. Yeah, that was my <laughs> issue the whole time. Um, I ain't never seen yeah, Hunger Games. I, I, thought, I thought he was pretty good. you never um, seen any of them? I saw the I saw wow. the first one, but I barely remember it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but oh, one, a fun fact was uh, the main character from the original had a cameo in this one. Really good. Really good um, cameo. He, he like he. It is a really good cameo. Uh, he he stops the main characters just in the middle of the road while they're driving, uh, and he's just like a crazy person screaming that they're coming to get you. They're coming to get you. Yeah. They're here. They're here. Which like do you think he's been running for... and warning people since 1956? Yeah, that's that's what we should <laughs> probably believe. He's a lot older. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Twenty about twenty years older. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there's also a fun cameo from Robert Duvall. He plays a really creepy priest who swings on the swings oh. for. Oh yeah, that never came back. Thirty seconds, yeah. That's that's like the opening shot of the movie. Just like that's truly just a cameo. Who's Robert Duvall? He's a very famous actor. He was in um, The Godfather, Apocalypse oh. Now. Oh. Um, those kind newsies. Of oh, for Christmases. Robert Duvall. <laughs> Who's in the road? This movie's runtime was what an hour fifty-five. Bad Seed was two hours and ten minutes. Okay, then what um, was this? So this was one hundred fifteen minutes. So yeah, an hour fifty-five. Yeah. So and... only like thirty-five minutes longer than the original, but it it felt a lot longer. It to felt me. yeah, unbelievably long. We had to yeah. take a break. The second half of this movie is really good. Yeah. Um, it just takes a long time for things to get going, and so much of the film is spent on Elizabeth. Um, knowing that there are body snatchers, the audience knowing that there are body snatchers, and everybody else in the movie being like, no, you're just crazy. Right. Um, and like, that's just like the first like hour of the movie. And it's like, it's not fun for the audience no. to watch. Yeah. I think this movie suffers a little bit and it feels a lot longer because it's very noir style and noir is very, very like slow yeah. burn with a lot of lingering shots yeah. and more about just more about the overall tone like setting the tone which takes more time yeah. than actually like progressing the plot forward it has a lot of the noir trap uh trappings as well yeah um of like our main character who's like a health inspector but he's essentially acting as a detective yeah For trying to reason. like <laughs> trying to like solve this case of his employee who slash love interest yeah um 
and a femme fatale, honestly. a femme fatale for sure. Yeah, um, he's constantly saving her from almost being snatched. Is it different than a damsel? A femme fatale, I thought, is a is th- a woman with an ulterior motive. She's your which, undoing uh, in the end. Oh, which is true. It's yeah, but sure. she's also a damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like we said, it's it's a very faithful adaptation to the first one. So. Like, more and more people in the city of San Francisco become snatched, and uh, his friends get snatched. She gets snatched at the end. Oh, my God. Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. We forgot we to about say. That. He's so young. He looks like such a little baby. Yeah, it's, it's, really, really, it's really funny. Pre-Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. Ten years before Jurassic Park, wow. I think. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he does He does seem really young. He's got a full head of, like, really dark, dark hair. Yeah, like, he's not, uh, like, quite as buff as he is in Jurassic Park. No, he's very, very um, mm-hmm. slender. Yeah. Six four though. Oh, so in the original, they literally say um, that. Yeah. In the original, Jack, who is Miles's friend, um, and he in the original he has a, finds a body growing in his house, and he and his wife are freaking out. And the original, the body's only five ten. And this one, same thing happens. Jack finds a body, a pod growing in his house, and this time though, they're like, "How tall are you, Jack?" Jack says. Six four, and I died. Uh, she yeah. actually swooned in real life. I was there. Yeah, <laughs> when they said that, she went like oh. a cartoon swoon. <laughs> my heart burst out of my chest. Yeah, the slow pace. I I did like the slow, like the way that they drew out the tone, and it felt nightmarish and just like bizarre. Um, but that first half is so slow that once I saw the second half, I was like. If I were to recommend this to anybody, I would literally just have them start an hour into the movie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I uh, definitely agree. I feel like easy easy 30 to 40 minutes could be cut out of this. Yeah. Um, 30, make it the hour 20 minute runtime of the original. Honestly, Perfect. yeah. Why not? Um, I will say if you haven't seen the original, maybe you want to watch the whole thing if you want to watch an invasion of the body snatchers, but... I would recommend the original over this one, other I than agree. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I will say, like, even though um, the first half was slow um, and the movie felt super long, there definitely were really enjoyable parts as well. It was so um, well shot. So well yeah. shot. Um, really creative cinematography. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of the nightmarish feeling comes in, where, mm-hmm. like, the camera is, like, distant or absurdly up close or it lingers for a little bit too long or not enough and it's just everything feels like just off which you know it feels like the whole movie's a body snatcher in some ways there there's a a sequence where um like pretty far into the movie where um miles is uh simos yeah miles um is like running through san francisco trying to um like contact different authorities um, while he's like being faced by like the body snatchers throughout the city as well, um, and it's sort of just like a fever dream mishmash montage um, that was really well done, I thought. Yeah. So early on in the movie, there is a scene, and the camera lingers on this where um, Miles and Elizabeth are walking downtown, and they pass by a man playing the banjo next to his dog, and we get a pretty long like fade out in on the dog's face. For like maybe five seconds. And then later in the movie, after the, uh, probably like at the beginning of the third act, um, when Miles is doing, uh, is being chased by the body snatchers, he ends up in a big crowd of them and the dog runs in and it has his, uh, presumably his owner's face 
on so the bizarre. dog. It's yeah, so, scary. so scary. Like a uh, malfunction of the DNA. Yeah. And in the scene, the dog sticks his tongue out and messes up the CGI. Um, and they kept it in, and it's so scary. It just yeah. looks so bizarre. Yeah. And they really... It I, don't, just... I don't think it was CGI. I think it was a practical mask. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because all the effects in this were practical. The uh, oh, okay. the Peapod um, birthings were really good. Really good stuff. Um, really good stuff. When Miles was going around chopping up the... Uh, yeah. The fetus people, the not quite not quite people yet, imposter seedlings. That was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really I, I really liked the route that they went with it too, of like in terms of like what the plants looked like and like how, mm-hmm. how they worked. Um yeah. with like they were very wispy and the pods were much smaller in this one, which I think was a better decision. Um instead of the giant ass pods from the first one. Were the giant ass pods in the first one from outer space or was it just Something that grew in the wild. I think that was... They're from outer space. Yeah, I think they're from outer outer space. space. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so all the special effects um, were created live for the camera. Um, In the scene at the beginning where the pods travel through space from their dead homeworld to San Francisco was one of the simplest effects to create. Um, The director, Philip Kaufman, says he found some viscous material at an art store, paid $12 for a big vat of it, and then dropped it into solutions and then reversed the film. Oh, wow. So it looked like it was coming mm. back through. Those shots were cool. So cool. I enjoyed that opening montage of the seedlings yeah, making their way from planet to planet. Another fun um, addition to this movie is the Snatchers are a lot more or a lot less human yeah. in their behavior. So there's whenever they see... Um, a surviving human, they scream. It's yeah. like a, it's like a, a siren screech. Squeal. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it definitely feels a lot more like mob mentality slash zombie. Yeah. Um, in this, her. in this one, which is cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Some of the the scary sequences are just seeing like the mobs chasing them, and the tension of just like you don't know if if they're gonna get caught. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of scene uh, after scene of like somebody being like, "Am I about to get caught?" Oh, yeah. Let me go out over here. Oh, am I going to get caught? Oh, just like yeah. that over and over. So the movie is pretty much shot for shot, the same as the original, except major exception being the ending and the beginning. So the beginning of the original, we know, is uh, that framing narrative of Miles coming in and recounting the story. So that doesn't happen in this version. And then at the end, there's a resolution. And we are left with at least the notion that the pods might be dealt with however at the end of this version so throughout the last like third of the movie you think that jack and nancy have been taken because um, you see that you know that jack has been taken oh and then jeff goldblum gets um, killed with yeah. a and dart and so then, you assume nancy yeah and, you, and then they see nancy and nancy seems kind of suspect um she's like in the same building as them um and the building is supposedly locked but it's later revealed at the very end of the movie that um, she is indeed a person still, not been snatched yet. And we find that out because our main guy, Miles, Miles is a body snatcher and he does the point and scream. And that's a gif. And that's a gif that, that uh, you might know. Classic. Yeah. Classic, Classic from the, the epic troll days. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, yeah, so when Nancy was like emotional at the building, I thought it was 
uh, very much confirmed that she was human because in the remake, in this one, it feels like the body snatchers are not trying at all to put on the performance of maybe we're human like they are in the original. Like they're trying Mm -hmm. to convince the humans that they are just like them. Yeah. Especially by that point in the movie. It did feel, it only, the real only reason it, it felt like she might really be a person, or sorry, might really be a body snatcher, is because uh, Miles does say, this building has been locked from the outside, how, how did, did you, you get, get in? in? Yeah. Um, which is kind of fishy. Um, and then also, uh, once they find her, they get split up really quickly, like it's the next scene, because they get scared by the half dog, half, dog, half human guy, um, and get found out, uh, so they have to run away and get split up. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, if she's not with them, it's probably because, like... She got scooped. Or, yeah. like, when she wasn't with them, she probably got snatched. Yeah, overall fun. Jaden and I were talking, and um, before this, before we recorded, we were trying to decide, or I thought the invasion of the body snatchers was more horror than Bad Seed. Um, I think I might still stand by that. I think both are horror, but I think invasion of the body snatchers has more horror elements. Yeah even though it was a more noir tone, which noir, we could argue about this if it's really a genre or a style. Um, So I think you can have a horror movie in the style of noir and it'd be something like this um, versus Bad Seed, which felt more like a psychological thriller. Yeah. I I, um, definitely agree that both of these are absolutely horror yeah i felt like bad seed was a little more horror just because it had more of just like the tension and uneasiness i associate with horror where this felt um i never really it it was more it felt more like a thriller invasion of the body snatchers because i never really felt like scared like the closest thing to like me feeling scared in the movie was uh just like sort of like the gross grossness of the mm-hmm. pupods birthing humans. Uh-huh. Um, Chase scenes always get to me, which mm-hmm. is why I think I feel that more of that tension. And I've already seen the bad seed before. So like, obviously I don't, I, I know what was going to happen and stuff. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, Ethan? I think, uh, I think I would say Envision of the Body Snatchers is more horror for me. Um, the bad seed to me felt closer to like, almost like a Greek tragedy. Um, a la mm. Edward Albee's The Goat, where you sit with these characters whose lives are fucking ruined because of the uh, unfolding events. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that feels horrific, but in a way that makes me more sad and agonized than Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which makes me feel like alone and terrified. Hmm. For Interesting. Sure. I was I was I was very surprised though at how much I did not enjoy the remake, at how much I would recommend the original, of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, over the remake. Yeah, I think it depends on what you like. If you yeah. like noir, um, yeah. you might like this. It and if you like seventies movies, I think filmmaking in the seventies is so. And it's also because the 70s are so, like, the 70s aesthetic is very, very, like, in right now. So I think I'm just, like, my brain is, like, that looks cool. But I think it, the movies in the 70s all have this very same, like, hazy kind of dreariness mm-hmm. to them where everything is, like, beige and mm-hmm. the actors, except for Jeff Goldblum, are ugly. Right. <laughs> um, and everybody's mm-hmm. wearing these ridiculous 
ridiculous pantsuits, um, which, you know, Sweaty. we'll get to that era when we get there, but there's a lot of stuff going on that makes life seem so drab. I think drab is a good word yeah. for it. Yeah. I take it back. I take it back. This movie really was not my taste, but it was it was well done in what it was doing. It really felt the slow burn was well done. I just I just really was not in the movie. Yeah, I would that. still I would still recommend the original. But I would sure. still recommend the original for sure too, yeah. Yeah. I uh I I would say I enjoyed them about equally. Mhm. Right on. Definitely seeing a lot of like puppet stuff with the uh plants birthing humans and the humans turning into uh like full imposters that stuff was really cool and i was glad they did more of that in the new one yeah yeah i like that it Uh, felt almost like uh cronenberg-esque which um elizabeth's boyfriend jeffrey played the dad in the brood so a fun right reference but the um effects felt very Cronenberg with the yeah. the way the bodies looked. They were covered in this like fine, like fleshy hair, which is felt a lot like body horror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and Jeffrey, who was the guy from The Brood, it was really funny how we were talking about in our review of The Brood that we didn't like his performance because he just looked completely emotionless. And that's yeah. exactly why he was cast in it's this perfect. movie because he's it's an imposter. Perfect. Yeah. He's a body that snatcher is, that was no really emotion. Funny. <laughs> yeah, I just and he acts pretty much the same way. Yeah. yeah, he just is not a good choice for a like caring father. Yeah, <laughs> good for like deadbeat boyfriend and um, soulless alien creature. <laughs> yeah, which he played both of in this movie. Definitely. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, both horrors for me. Yeah, I would say um, really, really good week. Really good week for the movies we watched. Um, I'm really excited for um, what's to come. Our, our journey to to come, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll be in 1957 next week. Thank you for listening. Uh, does anybody have any final words? Chalupa, do you want to hop on the mic real quick? Let's see. Maybe maybe you can hear her sniffs.